0: Hello, and welcome back to the Automotive Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be covering the Toyota 2000 GT. This is a very cool car. It was, in fact, the first Japanese supercar that was really designed to do absolutely everything. It was designed to be practical, high-performance, comfortable, and successful on a track, which just sounds like uh, a lot to accomplish in a single car. However, they were actually very successful with it, and it has a pretty rich racing history. It's tied in with Carroll Shelby, and I think it's a very cool car. So let's just jump right in. To give a little bit of context of where this car was and what it represented for Japan, before the release of the 2000 GT the Japanese automakers were kind of known for just making high-production, cheap, boring cars for the everyday man. They didn't really make anything special, but they made reliable, small cars that everyone could afford. And that was working fairly well, but they weren't really having that prestige of being a high-performance automaker region. And they really wanted to change that with the Toyota 2000 GT. But what's kind of funny is that it was actually not at all a Toyota in the beginning. In fact, the first prototype was developed by Yamaha, and most of the car's development and production would actually be done by Yamaha. So in 1965, Yamaha has this prototype of a car. And they originally approached Nissan with this prototype. However, Nissan was not all that interested in a high-performance car. They kind of said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. And Yamaha moved on to Toyota. And Toyota was very interested in this high-performance car. um, And they stuck their name on it, essentially, and sold it as the Toyota 2000 GT. Unlike the other Japanese cars at the time this car is very elegant it's very Jaguar looking it's got curves uh it's very nice looking the only thing that's a little weird about it is it kind of has two sets of headlights or at least it looks like it has two sets of headlights so it has pop-up headlights which are the actual headlights designed for night driving and I think pop-up headlights are awesome But then it also has these really, really big running lamps in the front bumper. Um, They were just, well, they were big. If you ever look up a picture of it, I think that's the first thing you'll notice, is these big glass lamps that's just sitting in the front bumper. Uh, It's not super ugly. It's just a little odd looking, I think. Uh, But overall, the car, very elegant, very high class, uh, had a wooden dash, They really went for luxury and performance. After Yamaha took their prototype to Toyota, the 2000 GT would be shown off to the public for the first time a couple months later. Uh, This would happen at the Tokyo Motor Show. However, this was not the release of the car. This was just kind of Toyota saying, hey, by the way, we have this cool car um, and kind of got the hype going. To further the hype, they did a bunch of racing and a bunch of testing with it before releasing it to the public. Because this is such a strong deviation from the normal Japanese market, they really wanted to show that it was a good car before putting it up for sale. It was supposed to be a platform that could really show off the technology and manufacturing techniques of the Japanese market. To do this, they entered it in a bunch of different races. Um, Probably the most impressive of these races was called the Speed Trials at the Yatabe high-speed testing course. Also, brief note, um, there are a couple Japanese words in here that I probably will struggle to pronounce. I'll try my best, but I apologize for any mispronunciations. So these Speed Trials... Uh, was essentially an endurance race. It would last 72 hours, and the car would just go in a loop for basically as long as it could, trying to go as fast as it could. Um, And the 2000 GT had a pretty tough time. They did it during monsoon season, so it was driving through extremely heavy rain, but it still managed a very impressive average speed of 128.79 miles per hour, And it also set a bunch of different world records and FIA world records during this testing for both speed and endurance. So it was extremely successful and it was very impressive. Unfortunately, this part of history, this specific 2000 GT that took part in the speed trials would be destroyed um, they used magnesium wheels, which are extremely lightweight and actually still used on F1 cars. But magnesium has a tendency to catch on fire. It's very flammable. Um, so this later, not in the speed trials, uh, this 2000 GT would get in an accident and end up burning to the ground and being destroyed. So after this testing and after the very impressive results, Toyota would release the car to the public uh, in May of 1967, which is two years after the first prototype was developed. As I mentioned earlier, uh, production was outsourced to Yamaha. Yamaha, this was kind of Yamaha's car, and Toyota just got the privilege of sticking their badge on it. So, what was the powertrain of this, well, pretty impressive car, at least for the times? Uh, kind of in Japanese fashion, it was a pretty small engine specifically a 2.0-liter dual-overhead cam straight-6. And it produced about 150 horsepower. Uh, Other fancy things was four-wheel independent suspension, as as I mentioned, magnesium alloy wheels, which are super lightweight and super nice unless they catch fire. So originally, that straight-6 engine came from the top-of-the-line Toyota Crown, but it was upgraded by Yamaha by adding three two-barrel carburetors to a new dual-overhead cam head, which is a very strange-sounding sentence, um, but the head for the engine was adapted, or it was a different head to allow for dual-overhead cams. Um, and dual-overhead cams increase performance by a significant amount it essentially allows one cam to worry about exhaust and the other cam to worry about air and fuel getting in so it just allows for a much more efficient engine the toyota crown was originally just a single overhead cam so yamaha came in and modified the engine to allow it to be higher performance Uh, This would give the 2000 GT a top speed of 136 miles an hour and have a zero to 60 time of about 8.6 seconds. All of this power would be transferred to the rear wheels through a five-speed manual gearbox, and the engine was in the front. It was a front-mounted engine, uh, rear-wheel drive car. To make it even more high-performance and uh, super, super car, Uh, It came standard with a limited slip differential, and it came standard with power-assisted disc brakes on all four wheels. So just high-performance stuff for a high-performance car. For the time, it had a pretty steep price tag of about $6,800 in the US. That's equivalent to $129,000 in today's money. But it is believed that Toyota and Yamaha made no profit from it. Despite its high price tag, uh, the cost of development and the cost of production was high enough that no profit was made off of these cars. In 1969, uh, a couple upgrades would be given to it. It would reduce the size of the fixed driving lights um, and also added some more features that customers could purchase if they wanted to such as air conditioning and a three-speed automatic gearbox. Uh, a year later, production would end with just 351 cars being produced. 337 of these were sold as road cars, and the rest were used for racing. So, as I mentioned, the 2000 GT was a very successful race car. It really proved itself at the speed trials to be capable of high performance for a long time without having any issues. And in its early years, it won a fair amount of races in Japan. These would include its first race, which it did not win. It got third at 1966 Japanese Grand Prix at Fuji. It also then received first at the Suzuka 1000 kilometers, first at the 24 Hours of Fuji, and first at the Fuji 1000 kilometers in 1967. So locally, within its own region, it was doing very well on the racetrack. However, Toyota wanted to expand its racing, and so they reached out to Carroll Shelby. At the time, Carroll Shelby was a Toyota distributor for the state of Texas, so he was kind of well-known, or at least a little bit involved, in Toyota as a company and they obviously he had a very successful racing career this would just be after his successful development of the gt40 for ford to race in le mans so he was a pretty big name he was well known people knew he could make good race cars so toyota reached out to him and said hey we have this new car called the 2000 gt it's done well here see what it can do in america so that's exactly what carol shelby did he entered them into the 1968 SCCA production car races in the CP category. So this means that the 2000 GT would be competing against the likes of Triumph TR250s and Porsche 911s. In fact, one kind of interesting thing of how much Toyota was dedicated uh, to racing is Shelby was given the very first 2000 GT to roll off the assembly line to race. So the first one that they finished was given to Shelby to be developed into a full-fledged race car. But Carroll Shelby being Carroll Shelby was not satisfied with the performance of the stock car. They had some good qualities, but also needed some work. According to the two drivers that would be racing the 2000 GTs, Uh, scooter patrick and dave jordan the cars handled very well and this is probably due to it having a very low suspension and very low profile racing tires however they struggled to get consistent power out of the straight sixes they could get some power or really high power but just not consistently and apparently trying to fix this problem they blew up a fair number of engines The two main reasons for the struggles was that the head developed by Yamaha was not easily modified for higher compression, so they struggled to get the head to to provide what they needed it to provide. Um, Another issue was that they could not use Weber carburetors, which were considered the best carburetors out there, due to the rules in the category of racing that they were a part of. However, eventually, through development and blowing up engines... They got the cars to reliably and consistently make about 200 horsepower. And so, in that year's season... The Toyotas brought the fight to the Porsches... With lots of scrappy, close races... And, you know, they held their own... They were winning or close to winning... But unfortunately, by the end of the season... Porsches were in first and second, and the Toyota 2000 GTs would claim third and fourth. And, I mean, I think any reasonable person would see this as a pretty successful season. These cars had just finished development, the drivers were new to them, this was the first season that they'd ever raced in America, and they're getting third and fourth? I, I That seems like a pretty successful start to me. However, Toyota did not see it the same way. Toyota saw that there was a low amount of sales in the US, only about 62, and Toyota, again, kind of thought that the racing wasn't really helping sales, and they didn't even win the season. So, Toyota decided to simply stop racing them. This would be the only Japanese car that Carroll Shelby would ever work with. After the 2000 GT, he never worked with another Japanese car to develop it for racing. This is the classic story in the automotive world where absolutely everything is overshadowed by the ability for a car to sell. Pretty much no matter how great the car is or how crappy the car is, All the car companies care about is if it sells. And that's really unfortunate, because the Toyota 2000 GT was seen as a very strong platform with a lot of potential. And a lot of people believe that if it had been continued to race, it could have become kind of a family of race cars. Kind of like the Porsche 911, where it's just this heritage of successful race cars that continued to develop on the previous ones and it was believed that the 2000 GT was a very good start to that kind of racing family however we'll never know because Toyota pulled it and no more would be made and no more would be raced another slightly cool fact about the 2000 GT is it was actually used as a bond car in the movie You Only Live Twice for the movie a special convertible model would be made this model was a one-off for the movie the 2000 gt was never actually sold as a convertible um, but in the movie it is a convertible so just kind of a cool little tidbit that the japanese supercar was well enough and looked nice enough to be a james bond car which i think is a pretty high Prestige. Due to its rich racing history, its correlation with Carol Shelby, and its presence on the silver screen, not to mention very low production numbers, Toyota 2000 GTs are worth a lot of money today. One can easily sell for over a million dollars at auction, and honestly, it kind of makes sense. It's a very cool car. It's a unique part of history. It's the first Japanese supercar. It looks great. It performs well. And just having that part of history be yours, easily worth a million dollars. That's going to be it for the Toyota 2000 GT. I hope you enjoyed listening. If you have any feedback on how to make the podcast better, you can hit me up on my social media. I have an Instagram, which is automotive.podcast. A Twitter, which is at Automotive Pod, and a Facebook, which is at Automotive Podcast. Also, feel free to leave a review. Uh, I always appreciate that, and it means a ton. Again, I hope you enjoyed listening, and I will see you next week.